You know, many, many of us watched our phone and TV screens and, and then went joined some of these protests and marches that were starting to take over the globe once George Floyd's um, killing was was seen by the world and, you know, Breonna Taylor and um, Tony McDade. And, and uh, when I watched Tamika Palmer, Breonna's mother, speak about her daughter and talk about what a work of art she was, I just started crying. I just started crying at my studio desk and all of a sudden these lyrics and melodies for the verses of Somebody's Beloved started pouring out of me. She was somebody's daughter, somebody's friend, someone who built her dreams with every breath whom others could depend. More than a number, more than a story, more than a memory, somebody's friend, somebody's daughter, somebody's beloved. That is Connie Lim, the singer-songwriter known as Milk, and a highlight from her newest song, Somebody's Beloved. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We're bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Milk is using her incredible talent to create positive change in the world. In 2017, her song Quiet became a viral sensation and a feminist anthem during the first Women's March. That song inspired an entire movement and the hashtag I Can't Keep Quiet Fund. Now, starting today, Milk is bringing her voice to the cause of social justice and equality with Somebody's Beloved. Let's listen and learn why Milk is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. So, you are an incredible singer an incredible songwriter and an activist. Uh, and I understand you started writing songs at age seven. Was there a defining moment in your life that, that kind of made you who you are today? And how were you inspired to start writing so early? I was very fortunate in that my older sister was taking piano lessons. Um, she's four years older than me. So I started taking piano lessons, I, I think at age six. And then my piano teacher noticed that I liked humming melodies and sometimes I'd like plunk, plunking out different melodies on the piano. So she taught me how to write music, how to score. And so I think at age seven, she started having me just write notes and learn how to do that and express myself and to document it. And I remember very distinctly um, during the commercial breaks of watching Captain Planet, an awesome cartoon, 6 a.m., I would wake up by myself, plop on the couch, watch the cartoons, and then there's a commercial that would come up um, uh, of this man asking for TV viewers to donate even a penny a day to help children who are starving in African countries. And I remember being um, I remember being really shocked by the concept that some people couldn't eat when they wanted to eat because I grew up really privileged. And when I wanted a snack, I had a snack. And so I was just really baffled by that. And so it kind of happened at the same time, my piano teacher and I had written a melody down and I was, you know, submitting my composition for uh, reflections. It's like this art submission contest for a lot of public schools. Um, 
And my teacher asked me what I wanted to name that song. And I thought, okay, I want to name it the most beautiful thing in the world. And I remember remembering those children and thinking, I want to name this song Healthy People because it would be great if everyone had food to eat so they'd be healthy. And so I remember that being the beginning of me practicing using music to envision a world I wanted. Um, And yeah, so that was a very seminal moment. I remember feeling eventually like years later, maybe in middle school, high school, a little embarrassed about it because I think I noticed that there was this way of labeling people who desired for better change in the world to be naive or idealistic. So I learned how to hide that part of myself. And then um, it wasn't until my late teens where I was going through my own, you know, my teenage dramas with my parents and I didn't know how to communicate in real life. So I used um, my songwriting as a way to write lyrics, um, expressing the things that I was afraid to say in in my day-to-day life. So it's just become this way of communicating and processing the world. When the rest of the world learned about you, especially on the national stage, uh, I guess it's when you sang Quiet at the 2017 Women's March, and you were able to express, I think, what so many people were feeling, and that went viral. Let's listen to some of Quiet. I can't keep quiet. Yeah. So quiet was birthed um, during my healing process of reclaiming my narrative as a survivor of abuse. I had spent over a decade carrying around this metaphorical sack of boulders behind me, dragging it around with me everywhere. Um, And, you know, the weight of guilt and shame, um, thinking that there was something inherently wrong or bad with me to attract the abuse. Like I should have done better. I could have said something differently, all that stuff. And started really getting in my way. And, and I realized that I wasn't capable of dreaming for myself when people would ask me, oh, let's make vision boards or let's set goals for the next 10 years. I just had a, a really hard time thinking big for myself because I just didn't think I deserved it. And I knew instinctively there was something very wrong with that. And so I started going to therapy um, and uh, through that process, I started having dreams of my younger self reclaiming my voice and saying the things I wish I had always said. And one of the phrases I said in one of my dreams um, was, I can't keep quiet because I was often told, you know, if you speak up, you're going to make things worse. So just keep quiet for now. And so that little girl in me said, I can't keep quiet. I woke up stunned and that song was born. I co-wrote it with um, this wonderful woman named Adrian Gonzalez. And it was like my healing song. I decided I wanted to bring that song um, in some way dedicating it to the movement of resisting what was happening. And when the Women's March Facebook event popped up, I immediately bought a ticket. And, you know, at that time I was a struggling artist and I, I, I 
didn't really have that many resources, but for some reason I felt very confident. I was like, no, I had no doubt that I had to buy the ticket and that I was going to go. Um, and uh, I wanted to provide some art for the marchers, for fellow women who were dissenting. And I went through different scenarios and I thought my favorite thing and one of the most healing things for me has been singing in harmony with other people, especially other women. Um, and so I thought, let me just contact people that are already living in DC and see if they would harmonize with me. Um, and so I wrote the parts and Skyped with them and uh, we rehearsed online and and then we met for the first time in DC and the first time we rehearsed and sang together, it was like tears just started emerging in all our eyes. It was because we didn't know each other. We're like, hi, you know, I'm Sandra, I'm Connie, nice to meet you. And like, okay, well, let's go through the parts. And then like the harmonies started striking with like, put on your face. And, and then immediately we all like just sank into this really heart-centered space. And we eventually, after rehearsing, I have goosebumps even talking about it now, and everyone had their reasons of why they wanted to sing the song. And yeah, it was a very um, beautiful experience. And we went and flash mobbed and sang for people on the streets of DC and a cell phone video uh, filmed by this incredible woman, Alma Harrell, who just happened to walk by, um, went viral and got like 14 million views over a couple of days. So then, you know, it, it went from literally singing on the streets to singing on national television. It was just such a wild ride. Um, and I didn't think viral was a thing that I could achieve. You know, my little brother would always be like, you should do something that goes viral. And I was like, oh, that seems like some faraway word that like is meant for people who are really social media savvy. And and then lo and behold, when I shared my truth and shared it in a way where I wasn't thinking about outcome, I was just so in the moment, that's what went viral. And so it was a big learning lesson for me of like really owning and honoring my truth and doing it in a loving way can go very far. And that song meant so much to so many people. I mean, 14 million is incredible. And you touched so many people with that song. What does it mean to you today? I mean, are you still super connected to it? I am very connected to that song um, because like I get emotional even thinking about it now, but you know, I, I felt very alone in my journey of being a survivor of abuse and, and, self-shame and blame. And, and I always found myself to be the black sheep. So when women and men and, you know, genders in between took that song and, and translated it into their own languages or made their own arrangements of, of it, I was sitting in front of my laptop watching the screen and just like tears flowing constantly. And what the main message was that I am not alone. And I felt like I you know, I craved so for so much of my life to feel like I belonged. And in that moment, I felt this really deep sense of belonging to a global family. And it has like altered my DNA because I spent so much of my life hiding from who I was when I was seven years old, uh, writing a song about healthy people. And then returning back to that, that young girl within me who believes that the world can change and who felt kinship with children who were starving on the other side of the globe. And so 
it's really opened up my ability to process my own insecurities, traumas, pains, fears, so that I can be more present with everything I do. And it's changed my life. So when I sing that song, it's like a prayer for me every time. It's a sense of gratitude um, and awe because I I do think that things happen for a reason. Um, and a lot of the suffering that I went through um, from eating disorders, all these things, like all these, I, I used to wonder, like, why do I, why do I suffer like from these things that I know women generally suffer from? Why, why can't I break free from them? But I realized there was a reason um, for all of it uh, because it helped me write this song and which then has helped me like write songs that I'm releasing now, like Somebody's Beloved. I don't think I would be able to sit in that space of musical um, empathy without having addressed some of my own pain. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Well, I want to talk to you about your new song because it is incredibly moving. He was somebody's father, somebody's son, someone who dreamt of seeing his daughter grow taller and fall in love. More than a number, more than a story, more than a memory, somebody's son, somebody's father. What was the inspiration for Somebody's Beloved? And, and can you tell us a little bit about the process? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, many, many of us joined some of these protests and marches that were starting to take over the globe once George Floyd's um, killing was was seen by the world. And, you know, Breonna Taylor and um, Tony McDade and um, I am an Asian American woman, so I know what it feels like to be judged for the color of my skin. However, I don't know what it feels like to fear for my life driving or walking down the street or just simply being me. And so I, you know, realize there's a lot of history I have to catch up on. And I started taking some moments to research the lives lost and to honor them. And it felt like very necessary to do, to understand from like Emmett Till to Breonna Taylor. And and uh, when I watched Tamika Palmer, Breonna's mother, speak about her daughter and talk about what a work of art she was, I just started crying. I just started crying at my studio desk and all of a sudden these lyrics and melodies for the verses of somebody's beloved started pouring out of me. And I, I have been sharing this with my friends lately is that I, I was actually kind of nervous and scared to have written something um, about this matter because I know how many blind spots I have. Um, I grew up in with a lot of privilege, so there's just a lot of catch up and so there was a part of me that wanted to not, I was like, man, why did I have to write this song that scares me? And I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to approach this without, you know, possibly offending someone. So it kind of like brought up my own 
fear of being wrong and fear of making mistakes or causing harm. And I can't speak for every Asian American woman, but there is a lot of um, expectation in the traditional upbringing of a Chinese woman is 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 to not only like do well, but like be the best and be three times as good as everyone else to earn a seat at the table in the States. And so it just like brought up my own stuff. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting. So I decided I have two choices. I have one is to pretend I didn't write these verses and, you know, kind of, you know, leave unscathed. And there's no way that anyone could criticize me because I'm not doing anything about this song. Or I could explore and walk further and go into the unknown, um, reach out to some of my Black co-writers and see if this resonates and maybe see about releasing this song and whatever whatever um, reactions come will come. And, and I don't know, I'd, I'd rather sh- – and so I decided, okay, I'm going to try this because I'd rather show up imperfectly than not show up at all. And so I brought this song to my co-writer, uh, Adeo. His artist name is Bipolar Sunshine, and he um, – has Jamaican heritage within him and grew up in Manchester in the UK. And so he connected with what I wrote and he helped finish the chorus with me where we reference Nina Simone and, and Billy holidays, um, song strange fruit. And, you know, he brought his perspective and we actually were able to talk about his own personal perspectives of things, which we hadn't ever talked about before. So it was a really sacred process. And then, yeah, once the song was done, he and I decided like, let's, let's find local organizations or organizations that are serving margins of the margins and like, let's bring attention to them and, and set up a fund for them. So, um, I'm setting up the somebody's beloved fund where, you know, part of the proceeds will go to the fund and we're creating merchandise that we're a hundred percent of the, the merchandise will go to the fund and a lot of things that we can experiment with. And you've called this a social action. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, social action with the word soul and social. Um, I, I think that social action is a really great thing, you know, S O C I A L. Um, However, because we are in a culture that is a little more intellect slash head driven, um, I think that our attention to the heart matters and the soul matters tends to be secondary. And when I write out social action as S-O-U-L, social action, it reminds me that um, the change has to start within my own soul and then has to go out and kind of ripple outwards from there. And and also when I act, um, when I sign petitions, when I go to march, or when I write a song, it's I'm I'm remembering that I'm doing this for other souls as well because I tend to feel like a lot of activism can get heady and intellectual and combative. Um, so just trying to ground myself and like and 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 remind myself that I'm I'm one soul amongst many and so my perspective may not be the main perspective to is not the the only one you know I mean that's an amazing way to think about it 
you've made a point of working with women on your projects. Um, obviously, this is the Seneca Women Podcast Network, so I had to ask you about that. Um, and I think that Somebody's Beloved was produced, mixed, and mastered by women. Is that right? And, and why was that important to you? Indeed. I'm so <laughs> proud of that as well. And um, I produced the song and my friend Ebony Smith mixed the song and Michelle Mancini mastered the song. And um, I think it's when I was coming up in the industry and I had just moved to LA, I was surrounded by men um, and men are great. I love, I love like the male perspective and there's so many strengths from the male perspective. Um, the imbalance and being the only woman in a circle, um, in a studio, it, it just felt like, man, there's such a missed opportunity here. There's so many nuances that the feminine energy and perspective can provide. And I really loved working with Ebony on this track because she, the way we communicated just felt really grounded and, and safe and creative and liberated. And um, it's, someone told me this, uh, my, my roommate actually, she does a lot to do this as well in her own life to, to bring more women into the pipeline of her artistry, but it is easier currently to not look through the lens of feminism and racial justice in the, uh, commercial pipeline. If we rush and create something, we are way more likely to make sexist and racist decisions. Even if we're not sexist or racist, it's just because the pipeline has been set up the way it is. So it did, it did take a longer time to create this entire project. Um, and I, along the way, there were people like, okay, you know, we have a timeline, maybe we should just like hire this person, even though they're, you know, they're a male. And, uh, and I would, I would kind of dig my heels in and I'd let go of my quote unquote plans. You know, I'd be like, okay, well then our deadline shifts then because I, I can't rush this and, and, and make the shortcuts. Cause that's like exactly what we're trying to change. So I really have to hold myself accountable and I like planning. Um, so it, it was definitely a good learning experience for me. And like once I waited, even if I delayed the project a few days, the best people would show up. Like somehow we would find the right people. And it was just this like feeling of joy. Like when we found our editor, Brandy Troxler, she's this amazing woman from Oakland, black woman. And because the music video centers around the story of a black woman and her daughter, I really wanted the person who had the finishing touch on this project to be a black woman. And when we found her, it was like the, the light of the project just got brighter. And I was like, okay, this is my lesson that I can wait a few days. You know, I can <laughs> wait even a week, you know, right? it's worth it. Well, obviously these are we're so excited about about your project and and the song and and the video and and the campaign and I hope everybody listening will support the campaign. Um, obviously, these are really hard times, and we were we were talking earlier about how in six months how much has changed in the world. But is there something that makes you optimistic right now, despite all that's happening? I think that what makes me optimistic has been um, a few authors. Um, Octavia Butler, who um, writes this amazing like black science fiction uh, writing and 
she's iconic and um she has been using her imagination to creatively tell the story about what the what the struggles are for the black community and she does it in a really creative way and you know she was writing these books decades ago so what gives me hope is that the fight has been going on for a very very long time many struggles have been going on for for ages and we continue to persist and i i find that you know something that i hear from a lot of activists who've been doing the work is like you know is is that no matter what is coming uh, happening from the top down a lot of the the groundwork the grassroots work from us outward in our direct communities is the most impactful and that gives me hope because i have more agency over how i am with my community how i show up in my neighborhood um and so you know mentally i prepare for whatever is happening at the very top levels of of our society our government it doesn't at the end of the day i'm still going to get up and i'm still going to i'm still going to work for racial justice gender equality i'm still going to try to dance once in a while in my living room and call my friends and you know like uh, that gives me hope is that like we have agency to to access our loved ones and our joy it just takes emotional grit you know and and obviously doesn't mean we shouldn't fight for everything but re- you know it gives me hope that in addition to the activism internally i have the power to live the way i need to live well it's been amazing having you on the show and thanks for everything you're doing i mean you're obviously changing the world with your with your songwriting which is a uh, really a gift gift to everybody. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. What an amazing voice for good and real change in the world. There's so much to take away from that conversation, but here are a few things that really resonated with me. First, once you find your voice and the courage to speak up, amazing things can happen. It took Milk many years to reveal the sexual assault and abuse that she had endured. But once she put her feelings into the song Quiet, she realized she was speaking to and for countless other women. Second, it requires courage to take a stand for a cause. Milk took a chance leaving the familiar territory of her previous songs to write about racism. The result was not only a beautiful song, Somebody's Beloved, but an entire social justice campaign. To learn more, go to somebodysbeloved.com where you can hear the music, see the video, and donate to the Somebody's Beloved Fund and where you can be part of, as Milk says, the soul shall action. And tune in Tuesday to learn about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. If you like what you heard on the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. We hope you'll join us for our next episode of 100 Women to Hear, where we can all listen, learn, and get inspired. Have a great day.